Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Two Girls. And a few thoughts. How's it going, friend? What's happening? What's going on? You know, I'm just chilling on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Oh, yeah? Loving it. Is it really that beautiful, though? I haven't been outside. Like, what's the temperature feeling like? It's actually pretty rainy and gloomy, but Mm -hmm. it all depends on your perspective. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. This could be the most fantastic of days. Absolutely. If you really love rain. It's about whatever you put your mind to, right? What you feel in your soul perspective absolutely perspective Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I went outside yesterday and I was like oh my gosh 50 something degrees like you know at that time of the year when you forget how to actually dress for the change in weather (laughs) I don't know if that's about the time of the year or it's about living in New York I mean never know what to wear here I feel like in the summertime it feels like long, right? And I'm like, okay, great. I need summery clothes. I need this and I need that. And every fall, I have to like readjust to like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to be wearing? How many layers do I need? Mm. So like yesterday when I went outside, I'm like, hmm, I should wear my Uggs. Like mm-hmm. I was, because the wind sounded crazy. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to put on a light jacket, but I feel like I need Uggs. And I stepped outside and I'm like, decision was great. <laughs> totally needed these. Why was it so windy yesterday? I think that was a hurricane or something. Or a nor'easter? Uh, who knows these days. There's always some sort of crazy weather happening in New York. The Again, world is ending. That's what they say. That Climate is the change. only thing that makes sense. <laughs> Did you see that meme the other day that talked about, welcome to New York, where 6 a.m., it's the dead of winter. <laughs> Wear a bubble jacket. 10 a.m., hey guys, it's spring. <laughs> By the time you get to midday, it's fall, and then or summer rather. Uh It's summer in the middle of the day, and then at the end of the day, it's back to fall weather. It's actually very scary, like this whole climate change thing Mm -hmm. and just the trend of where the world is going. It's insane, man. I don't even know. I'm like, dang, how bad is it gonna get? Am I gonna still be alive, or is this gonna really be something that like my children would? Maybe like my children's children. I don't like know. How bad you is can't it? really tell. It, it, it's hard to say. Yeah. It's already getting pretty bad, you know, because you can't even find it plastic sure straws anymore. And plastic paper straws straw? are super annoying. <laughs> how did saying. you just transition to plastic straws? Like, what's your beef? Because as our, you know, oh. our peer millennials are trying to save the earth from its imminent disaster, mm-hmm. we're deciding to do things like ban ban single-use plastics which includes straws it's like why take away this luxury like what does it do to you (laughs) go get a stainless steel personal straw didn't nikki already tell us to do this she did but i haven't found one that's foldable enough to fit into every purse that i have so it's become a struggle and you know how i feel about struggles right we covered that you know that's really not your brand i'm not into it have you actually really looked diligently though i'm curious because you've been so crazy busy so when have you really created the time in your agenda to look for foldable stainless steel straws you know what it is is when you say looking diligently is really what my struggle is (laughs) because why would i be looking diligently for For a a straw straw. like for what no i went to a store i was like hey do you have metal straws they showed me metal straws they weren't foldable i gave up i moved on with my life i'm busy wow yeah. And so this played out exactly how I thought it played out. Yeah. But what you should have done was go to Amazon. 
I don't like, is this really something you would get in a certain, maybe it would need to be like something like a, maybe a bed, bath and beyond, or maybe like, a I think that's store. probably where I was. I was at a bed, bath and beyond. You see a part of the struggle as well is the whole reason I ended up looking for these metal straws is because Nikki said, stop shopping at Amazon. And then she also said, get these metal straws. So, so I'm like, torn. I'm like, like, oh my God, do do? how do I get these metal straws? Right, right. You know, and yeah. that was the one week I decided to listen to Nikki and I got screwed. So now I'm back to shopping at Amazon. <laughs> Love Amazon. Still receive my five packages a week. Thank you. And still no metal straws. That is so funny. Nikki, we love you. Um, <laughs> sure you know, do. but I just really have not been able to break up with Amazon because I need them. We all do. Prime. Life. Affordability. I mean, when you really think about it, when Amazon like entered into the commerce scene, they were a disruptor. Like, think about how much we used to spend on, like, the shit that we used to spend money on. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's like, do I need to pay, like, all of this money for some headphones? For and, sure. like, Amazon, for me, has provided me with a plethora of options for me to make the best financial decisions that I need to make for my life. Mm-hmm. So, I don't see them as the enemy. Amazon is my friend. Although, yes. I guess we should plug here that we do recognize or we understand from, you know, the other people who are critical of Amazon that Mm -hmm. they have many practices that are, you know, potentially not the best for their employees or whatever. But I don't know enough about what Amazon is doing within their building to have a real say about it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I just want to plug that in there for the minutes. I mean, I think that's cute and all. I don't care (laughs) because my packages arrive... On time, ahead of schedule. I get several every week. Oh Amazon knows what the fuck they're doing. I support it. The other piece of it is if you decide to work at Amazon after understanding what their reputation is, they have been, mm-hmm. it has been widely publicized how much of a stickler they are for productivity and how that lends itself to poor employment practices, quote unquote, allegedly. Mm-hmm then you still work there. It's not like Amazon is coming to your house and telling you, hey, you come work for me. You are absolutely applying and deciding to go work at Amazon. So you love what you're signing up for. I'm sure you're paid well and you're having a great time at Amazon. Love Indeed, it. indeed. Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, like people have agency to decide where they want to work. Absolutely. I mean, and as you know, like we are... Again, it's one of those like blessings from the pandemic. And I say blessings ever so gingerly mm-hmm. that we are now in a job seekers market, right? Like, Absolutely. So many people um, do not want to return to our old ways of working, which in it's, it's one of those things that I find to be so interesting because for, at, for the entire time that I've entered the workforce, right? We're millennials. Mm-hmm. We're in our mid-30s. And people have been talking about the disruption of work for as long as we have been in the workforce. Yeah. And it has been happening, right? Like, we've been picking at it. We've been picking at it. We've been picking at it. And then the pandemic happens, and we're forced into a halt, the entire world. And we are now, again, what do you call that? It's like a... It's like when you like think a thing, but then now it's like happening and, oh gosh. What, the group think? No, not group think. It's like, 
it's like being pushed into a particular circumstance that you really, it's, it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. The word is not coming to me right now, but you get where I'm going. Who knows what but you're we saying. Were, <laughs> we were then pushed to rethink immediately on the spot and adapt on the spot to this new, much more virtual working environment. With that came a lot of benefits. We were home more with our families and our friends. Um, you kind of felt like you like reclaimed your time because you didn't have to get up and take the train. So you could just like get up, roll over, hopefully get dressed for the day and like, you know, actually like go to work. And there was a tremendous amount of flexibility. And in the pre-pandemic time, you know, like employers want you to come into a physical office. And I, and I understand still the importance or the reason for doing so but it's like people have been yearning for increased flexibility at work and like for me when i was transitioning from like a much more corporate america working structure going in you remember like that was one of my words yeah flexibility and i wanted to be in a firm that was much more humane yeah. Meaning understanding that people have lives that are outside of work. Like people are not just employees and not just here because you need to hit X, you know, bottom line or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Like people have whole lives that are happening outside of work and being really in an environment that nurtures that understanding. Absolutely. And now we're here. Exactly. And I think to your point, the pandemic did teach us a lot of things. And this mm-hmm. is one of the things where people had the opportunity to learn about themselves, understand that working in a corporate environment or going to a nine to five was not the only option mm-hmm. for a livelihood. Mm-hmm. So it allowed them to lean into gaining other skills, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. getting to know other industries that mm-hmm. didn't require for you to be in the hustle and bustle and giving your entire life in exchange for money. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece of it is um, a lot of what the news has been talking about late, lately is this great resignation, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Where I think the statistic was that 40% of Americans are either currently looking for a job or have recently started a new job. Mm-hmm. And that is for various reasons, right? Yep. Like one, it's a job seekers market now, right? And people yep. are out looking for jobs. And they know that they can probably land a great gig that gives them all the things that you were looking for Mm -hmm. um, in the sense of you have better work-life balance. You want to be within a work community that feels like it's aligned with your beliefs around social responsibility or Mm -hmm. the environment, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now those jobs are available. You can actually take the leap and get into one of those type of industries. And then at the same time, you also know that leaving your job could mean that you can stay home and make money on social media. And that's okay too. Right. Um, one of the other things that I was observing is how much activism you're seeing in the workplace now. Like when you think about like Netflix and how they all walked out in order to protest the Chappelle closer or, which is a whole um, other thing, which by a the whole way. other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at companies like John Deere and Amazon where, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The workers are actually coming out and protesting their work conditions because mm-hmm. they're saying this is not good enough. Mm-hmm. But I think if we if we were in a different time and space like two years ago, three years yeah. ago, this level of activism would not be as profound as it is now. Mm-hmm. Because now there are so many other jobs available that people are like, you know what, if they retaliate against me, 
and I lose my job because of this activism, there are other jobs that are out here. And to that end, is it even worth it to be at this job if this is how my experience is going to be? Right, right. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of thoughts on what you just said. So the increased activism, I think that before, like with this whole working structure of like home and personal being separate almost Mm -hmm. in the same way as we think of church and state but also church and state is bullshit because there is i mean legally there is that separation but in practice it does not really operate that way Mm -hmm. where i'm going with this though is that we've always thought of like politics and social responsibility as something that was i guess almost like designated to like the few companies that it would immediately impact. Mm -hmm. So I, like I would say, let's think of a good example. So maybe people who are within, I don't know, industries where they're creating pollution for the environment. Then there was like this, like, you know, you all need to like do better, but as it like related to more like social issues and, and specifically um, things relating to like equity and diversity and inclusion, even though we've been talking about these initiatives for quite some time, I have not seen the level of motivation and urgency. And I use that word urgency cautiously because mm-hmm. we have so much further to go. Yeah. But we finally seem to be in a space or we're getting to be in a space where companies are finally like hearing and understanding that we need more. You know, obviously we understand that the George Floyd, the protests that happened after, and the racial reckoning is one of the things that really pushed us into this trajectory. And I'm also curious that, you know, as America becomes more brown, right, we Mm -hmm. understand that people of color, we're growing as a population. Like, you know, in a few years, it's going to look like a very different type of America. And So now there is a certain amount of power, whether that's like negotiating power, whatever the case, however you want to define that. We're now in a position to advocate more for ourselves. Absolutely. And to push people like, no, actually, we have to do better because like, look around. The world has changed. Yeah, for sure. Um we were reading an article that talked about millennials mm-hmm. being the leaders of this great resignation. As I well as Gen Z. And Gen Zers. But it made me think about, well, why, right? Because there's been a lot of articles written about millennials um, opting for career progression and career advancement over building families, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we are... Uh, buying houses later in life we are we are having children and starting families later in life Mm -hmm. and I think this almost like flies in the face of that to some degree or maybe it doesn't I guess how I think about it is that if millennials are now opting to lose their jobs like at this point they're probably around mid-career you know with their jobs they're opting to now lose their or leave their jobs when they spent all of this time putting off other parts of their lives and other goals in order to be in their career. So then why? Uh huh. Like, is it all related to labor laws in this country going down the tube and us not having enough labor protection? So now mm. we're needing to fight against these companies that treat us poorly or don't pay us enough. Like maybe mm-hmm. the wages are not fair at this point. Or is it that 
we've gotten to a place where we've said, you know what, maybe putting it off wasn't the right decision. And that's something that the pandemic has taught me, right? Like, maybe I spent too much time building my career. So now, post pandemic, I'm like, maybe I need to spend more time with my family. Like, maybe I do need to lean more into these other parts of my life. And I think that's where I wonder how the pandemic has impacted what has been the story of millennials this entire time. Right. Well, you said something just now on what we're getting at to give it language is a reprioritization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've discussed this before. Like when you're in the U.S., there is such a like an omnipresence of you have to make money. Things are fueled by money. And obviously we recognize that money provides you with options. Mm-hmm. Money provides you with access. And so when we were coming into the workforce, I feel like that was something that motivated like potentially how we felt about it, right? You yeah. recognize, you know what? I need to be able to like earn money because you recognize that you need money in order to get you the options that you need for life, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you bust your ass, you do what you need to do because you also want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for this family and this life that you want to have. Yeah. Um, now with the pandemic, you're like paused, you're forced to pause and think, okay, maybe I should be more balanced in mm-hmm. how I'm like approaching my life. There's that that's happening. But I also think that with millennials and Gen Zers and the great resignation, we are some of the um, people who are currently, you know, obviously alive on this planet, a part of the workforce who recognize that this pathway, this traditional pathway that has been, you know, there and available for decades and decades is now not the, not only the only option. Mm -hmm. Like in previous generations, if we were to go back to, you know, industrial revolution and all other, you know, um, when we think about the workforces thereafter, if you think about like electricity, um, telephone industries, like et cetera, the structure of how those companies needed to be is so different. Mm-hmm. But then in our modern era, era, sorry, with technology, computers, um, the invention of social media, we now have opened up and expanded the options available for how you can live and earn money. Mm. So it's like, Actually, yeah, I mean, obviously there are people who are always going to, you know, have one job over another. So maybe you might end up in corporate America. Maybe you won't. But now understanding that, you know what, if I did decide that I want to do a blog or I want to vlog or I want to be a TikTok star, I want to be on Instagram or whatever, you now have access not only to seeing that, but it's like we now have access to lived experiences of other people who have actually done that. Like when reality shows, think about that, first came out, it was like, what are you going to do? Be a reality star? Like generations past would be like, Mm. like, what are you going to do? Like, that's not a real job. But then as time has gone by, we have actually created real industries. Like social media is a thing. Social media marketing, the entertainment industry is very much a thing. Like Mm -hmm. when we, you know, and again, expanded options around entertainment. We used to have shows, sitcoms, movies. Now we have reality shows that are not just like available on cable. It's Mm -hmm. also available on things like Sling, YouTube, like wherever. So we have like so many more options now and people are recognizing that it is okay to 
go in the direction that you're truly called or feel like you need to. Yeah, for sure. In addition to that, there is an increased conversation about building generational wealth. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a conversation that is is met with such urgency right now, especially as like, people of color it's just like dang you kind of feel like you're playing catch up so no it's just like i'm not gonna be able to do this if i'm at this one job nine to five yeah i gotta get these multiple streams of income absolutely i think that is definitely one of the lessons of the pandemic Mm -hmm. in that uh, that one source of income that you have could so easily be pulled out right from under you Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it's a pandemic or the company chose to downsize, et cetera. Like we have become um, almost fearful of the loss of that one thing mm-hmm. because we all went through it during the pandemic. And even if it didn't affect you personally, you knew, you someone. knew someone that got laid off. You yep. knew someone whose company closed. Mm-hmm. You knew someone who could not pay their bills or lost their house mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. the case was. And I think that fear has taught us um, that multiple sources of income is the only way to survive in America because at the end of the day, and again, this is another lesson, mm-hmm. these companies don't give a fuck about you. You are replaceable. Right. You, They can close today and they don't give a second thought to how you're going to feed your family or how you're going to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of the great resignation, like coming to that realization that you are just a number, you're just a person that clocks in and out every day. Yeah. Um. And I think when you come to that realization, then you start thinking to yourself, well, how can I get myself in a place where I am not so reliant on this one source of income? Right. And I don't know if it's just the circles that we're in or if it's generational or Mm -hmm. not, but I have found myself in so many conversations in the last year around investments and Mm -hmm. how do you make money just in a different way than you've thought of and not just necessarily social media, but also investments in Airbnb or investments in trucking companies, Mm -hmm. making money in cryptocurrency, Mm -hmm. et cetera, in a way that I don't think that the generations before us talked about it. Well, they didn't have access to some of it, right? They didn't have access, but investments existed, right? Like other streams of income were a thing, but I don't Mm -hmm. know that it was widely talked about. And I think that's why the black community feels like we have to catch up because the generations before us didn't talk about it and they didn't talk about it as openly and as publicly as what we're seeing now. Like you see all this information now on social media in real life, like we're sitting in circles where that is the conversation. Yes. Like we're becoming more open to sharing the information and sharing how you can build more streams of income. Right. And then that then helps us to help the generation after us. And then when we have children and mm-hmm. our children's children, etc., mm-hmm. to kind of make it more of a conversation about generational wealth and how to create that generational wealth, which I think is a really good lesson that came it's a came good and from, it's a necessary lesson for sure yeah that came from the pandemic when i when i listen to you the word that keeps like screaming and jumping out at me it's disruption mm-hmm. and the necessity to have it like it's yeah. needed it's a much needed necessity because mm-hmm. there are many there are many things that i'm sure if we were to think about them we're like you know what this is actually fine this works and it, that is what it is. But mm-hmm. there are so many other practices, ways of doing things that we see just 
does not work. Yeah. And so now, like, you know, thank God for the pioneers of whomever, people are like, you know what? There has to be a different way. Yeah. So when you think about something like Airbnb, like hotels are fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. It's great. You want to go to a hotel, but then it's also like, does it really meet the needs of like, the breadth of travelers that you're going to have. Right. Does it really give you like access and equity mm-hmm. um, to certain experiences? I would say no. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, on the flip side, just, you know, arbitrarily a bit, Airbnb is getting to be very expensive. Like there yeah. used to be a time where it felt like a much more economical option to being at a hotel. But mm-hmm. depending on what you're going for, it might not be. But yeah. at least you have the choice. But it's like, it's a few things, right? Like it's supply and demand. Like when yep. you think about, we are in, still in the throes of a pandemic. So even if I had an Airbnb, how many of us are really likely to say, it's going to be okay for a stranger to come and book my home and use all the things in my home. So now you have less Airbnbs that are available on the market for people, for travelers to you use. You think that's been happening? Well, I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah. Of the type of. It's a pandemic. Exactly. Germs. So people are dying. People are wary of the germs and wary mm-hmm. of strangers and all those things. So that takes some of the supply out of the market. So with that demand, that price increases. So I think mm. that's why the Airbnb prices have gone I up. I had not thought about it in that way. That makes sense. Right? I actually just thought it was the natural um, evolution of an industry. Right? Yeah. Like they've been around for a little bit. It's like there's going to be a uptick. Yeah. But this uptick is fueled by... Obviously, like the conditions that have been created. Absolutely. And Airbnb as a company talked about the hit that they took during the pandemic. Obviously, people weren't traveling. A lot of the supply came off of the market as well. So those things hit that Airbnb industry, you know, quite significantly. So I think they're experiencing some of that. But at the same time, for those of us that are looking for investments, it's now a good opportunity to get in on something like that because they are aching for more supply in the market and travelers are getting more more excited about traveling again they're becoming less weary of going into a new place and Mm -hmm. now you know we're actually washing our hands Mm -hmm. it becomes Mm -hmm. less scary to travel Uh, now that we are washing our hands possibilities have expanded they have expanded the stretching of possibility imagine that imagine that (laughs) um this is like the double sightedness of like crisis mm-hmm. and like an assessing risk like when mm-hmm. you think about like what it is like there are many people who have thrived in this pandemic environment yeah because they've been pushed to do so you yeah. they had to figure it out um so i mean obviously like we recognize again like it's really created these conditions just to go back to the great resignation I'm curious because one, you've worked through the entire pandemic. So you have had not had the luxury of having a pause. Mm -hmm. You've continued to work. So let's talk about that. But then two, you are in management. You Mm -hmm. are seeing from the employer perspective, how people don't want to fucking come to work. They sure don't. And like, what does this look like when we think about the trajectory of Eventually, we recognize that we're in a cycle right now, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, clearly, people are going to start more businesses. Small businesses are going to become more of a thing, which is great. You need that in order to keep the economy going. But I'm sort of curious about this idea that we're in this space of, like, people feel empowered. People want to um, better themselves, which I think it's great. It's fantastic. Everyone wants to be their own boss. 
also a very fantastic idea. But the reality of it is that in an economy, you need a balance of like companies, bosses, and people working for you. Yeah. Like we can't all, every single one of us, work for someone else. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you keep an economy going with this sort of like very do I want to say volatile? But we have like upended a lot of things. Yes. I think to start with where you started, right? Like, so as someone who is in leadership, Mm -hmm. I have seen how, how much of an impact the great resignation has had on a company. Yep. And the fact that in the general sense, most people are not interested in working. And I think a couple of months ago, a lot of the conversation was about like, is this unemployment benefits so much so are so lucrative mm-hmm. that folks don't feel like it's necessary to work because the unemployment mm-hmm. benefit in many cases mm-hmm. made them more money than the options that were out there to actually work a nine to five. And in a lot of cases, it made far more sense for people to stay home. And I think mm-hmm. that drove some of that thought process of, I don't want to work. I don't <clears throat> want to go out to a nine to five. I would rather stay home. Mm-hmm. It's safer. I right. don't have to be exposed to germs and people that potentially have the virus. Mm-hmm. So I think that was some of that. And then once the unemployment benefit ended, the expectation was that the workforce would come back. And we saw some people starting to come back, but not with the numbers that we would have seen in 2018, Mm -hmm. 2017, Mm -hmm. because people were still fearful of the pandemic. One, Mm -hmm. people... Wait, you said 2018. 2018 wasn't the pandemic then. No, I'm saying not to the extent that you would have seen people going, coming back. Got it. Okay, previously. So before this time. Yes, before this time. So I think that uh, because we didn't really see these folks coming back, it then Mm -hmm. posed the questions to employers and leaders who are responsible for Mm -hmm. recruiting to think about, okay, so why don't people want to come back to work? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the workers that you do have, why are they then choosing to leave? And some of it was poor wages. Some of it was poor working conditions. Some mm-hmm. of it was they reprioritized their lives. And I think we're still in a place where, you know, all of us are going into fourth quarter with this fear of, am I going to have enough staff mm-hmm. to support my business? Am I going to be able to like really get my business back into the block um, where I need to be for fourth quarter without the teams that I need in order for us to be successful. And I think that's still a big question mark because people are not necessarily interested in applying to jobs and working. And then the folks that are actually there are in a place where they're also not interested in working 40 hours a week or even what they initially committed to. Like they might commit to working 20 and they show up for 10 because they're not fearful of losing their jobs because they just went through two years of losing jobs, being laid off. They've experienced it before. There's not as much fear attached to not having a job anymore. So there's no... It's but good it has adverse effects. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good and absolutely horrible at the same time mm-hmm. because there's no real sense of dedication to a company. Mm. Even when that company is a company that is a, a company that cares about their folks and mm-hmm. cares about their teams and does everything that they can to make sure people feel awarded, mm-hmm. um, appreciated, valued, etc. For these employees, it doesn't matter. 
it really doesn't matter anymore because they've learned so much about themselves in the pandemic and the additional skills that they can have and they've lost the fear of unemployment they've figured out how to live without a company issuing a paycheck to them every other week right which there's a lot there in that right like Mm -hmm. i think that it is great Mm-hmm. that people want to feel more valued at work and yeah. not feeling valued, meaning how much you pay me. Of course, pay me absolutely what is commensurate with my experience. Yes. However, people, there is a humanization. People want to feel like people. Yeah. People want to feel heard. People want to mm-hmm. feel understood. Like that's why we're seeing like so much change in, in, you know, in work cultures. However, I wonder sometimes if like, being in this pandemic environment, it almost sets up like this for me. It's almost like this. We're not really back in real life. Mm-hmm. It's like we're in like an off cycle that I'm just like wondering when things actually do settle back down and shake back out. Like where are things going to land? Yeah. It will be very curious to see because our entire economy depends on commerce. Yeah. And commerce is being restructured and that like, and that's just regular commerce, mm-hmm. e-commerce. Like that is something that's also being restructured. And I think a lot of times, like we tend to think about, you know, capitalism and companies as like the big bad people. But I think about, you know, like small businesses, like the yeah. restaurants, the places where you need foot traffic. Mm-hmm. in order to be able to continue to exist as a business. Right. Like we, we are yearning for this new world where we can relate to work in a, in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, to what extent do people just, because everybody is loving this work from home thing, yeah. myself included. I, I appreciate the flexibility. But then I'm just like, oh my God, I feel sometimes like a hermit. Like I have not left my apartment in X many of days. Yeah. And it's just like, but there are other industries that rely on people being outside to mm-hmm. continue growing you know to your point earlier we all can't be in the same function in society society won't work yeah so those of us that have the ability to work from home and be able to be productive um while working from home like th- there's a group of people for that and then there's a group of people that will be entrepreneurs and they will be able to start their own businesses and they mm-hmm. will be employers mm-hmm. but the truth is that all of us don't have that skill. So the companies that do need people to physically show up to work and physically interface with customers mm-hmm. in order for commerce to happen, those people will still be there. But the truth of the matter is that those are not going to be mm-hmm. the best of the best. They're not going to be the brightest. They, they won't. You just think that's the reality of it. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get probably the most talented, skillful, competent folks mm-hmm. to be the ones that step out and... And become those entrepreneurs and gain these other skills that get them streams of income that Mm -hmm. don't require for them to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. Like what we're going to end up with is the folks that are unable to do that. And they take the entry level roles that often require that interface. Right. Mm. Like you'll get a lot of those. And then, you know, you'll get folks that are probably more skills that become those leaders, those supervisors, those managers, etc. Um, so you'll have that section of society, but we're all bringing different skills to the table and right. we all will play different roles. Yeah, it's this idea of like attracting and retaining talent. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it is it's almost like an insurmountable task right now. It, it is because attracting talent from the onset is challenging. Absolutely. Because you have so many other factors that make it unattractive to work. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about retention, like everyone's reasons for staying at a job again are so different and that is not unique to this year they've always been different but I think what is unique to this year is that the idea of retention is not an idea that's coming from both sides of the coin Mm -hmm. like you would normally find employees that are really excited about being with a company for a long time because they want to build towards a retirement fund or they want to build towards a pension etc from being Mm -hmm. at a company for a long time and we just don't see that anymore I think we see folks that are like I'm good to put two years in here and then I'm going to move on to the next thing right like they want to continue moving and getting new experiences and moving to as they should whatever the next career opportunity is and building their own finances Uh which i think is important as well um but we have less attachment to the idea of committing ourselves and dedicating ourselves to one company absolutely well you know in that in this article um from Forbes, why mm. millennials and Gen Z are leading the great resignation trend. They talk about like the differences between how baby, baby boomers would have been at work and they tended on average to stay in jobs like eight years, three months. Mm-hmm. Very specific, by the way. <laughs> Gen X um, tended to spend, practice spending about 5.2 years in a job. Mm-hmm. Millennials, who much of the workforce now is you know, made up of millennial workers on average two years and nine months. And when you said the two years, I was like, holy shit. Like you hit it right on the head because we are millennials. Like it's literally like (laughs) my God, two years and nine months. Um, and then for Gen Z, I mean, Gen Z is still fairly new to being in the workforce. Mm -hmm. The average, the oldest Gen Z person right now is 24. Right. Mm -hmm. So maybe if they went to college, they're just getting out of college or like they're in their maybe first or second job. And the average time spent in a job is bound to be less than generations above them and we're talking about so as millennials we're spending like two years <laughs> where is that gonna leave gen z two months oh my god it's like wait what but yeah. who's gonna continue to build economies i mean it has to be us we are the youngest of the population now right mm-hmm. so the baby boomers they've done their world building Gen X also have done their world building. We have done our world building. We've created Google. Yep. We've created like all these things. Fantastic. We've built onto what was established before us. Mm-hmm. But then we're just like, but we just actually want to build in like less time yeah. and less hours of the day. For but sure. building requires a lot of time and capacity. Capacity. So how the fuck do we build and continue to build? Which I think is valid, but I think... What we understand as work or as a work day will just look very different post our generation. I think by the time we get the Gen Zers as the majority of the workforce, we're talking about folks that are going to stay at a company for two months at a time. <laughs> and they're probably... Dude, this is wild. Is it wild or is it just challenging our perspective? It like, is both. And, and I think we it's have both. to like broaden our, our mind to think about... like. Remember when 
people started talking about the four-day work week or even the three-day work week, which a lot of companies are actually taking on board now as a but way of But some are finding retaining. it hasn't been that successful. Hasn't been that successful yet, mm-hmm. but you're also talking about it's being tried on millennials, mm-hmm. right? Like the Gen Zers who are expected to be at work for even less than we are will probably find it more attractive. So as more of those folks come into the workplace, they're already going to be in the mindset of, I need to work less because the rest of my life is more important. So they're probably more likely to take on board working three days a week, working four hours a day. Let's, they only got to be at work for two months anyway. Let's, let's run with this, right? Like when we think about, again, this idea of like building, retaining, yeah. growing, mm-hmm. you have been in leadership for a while. You get it. I've been in spaces where you've seen companies that are very established and you see companies that are new. Mm-hmm. We recognize that in order for, even if you want to have your own company, figuring out this idea of like how to grow and then how to maintain a steady pace is essential. Yeah. To the longevity of being a business, right? Yes. So if you're constantly in a stage where you're growing, you're growing, but then people leave mm-hmm. and you're constantly in this stage of like hiring, hiring, yes. right? Like, let's just say I decided I'm going to be a boss of whatever. Mm-hmm. Me now, you have to like flip off this employee and worker hat and put on your, I now run a business hat. Yeah. And we're going to hit upon those same challenges. For sure. There's a lot of costs and challenges associated with a constantly rotating staff, right? Yes. Like it takes a lot to recruit, hire, onboard, train staff constantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then you take away the factor of stability in a company and therefore challenges your ability to be to successful, have, to be successful and have yeah. a long lasting company. However, Where I think the challenge will be, and I think where we're going that we just don't realize yet, Mm -hmm. is that there is a space where you can have workers that are workers that just come into your business when you need it. Almost like a just-in-time type of worker, Mm. right? Where many companies have called them a number of different things. Temp workers, um flyers they used to be called at macy's a long mm. time ago um, i guess floaters floaters they're okay. on-call workers etc where uh-huh. they're trained to work at your company but they're not going to work 40 hours a week they may work 10 hours on a saturday they go back to their life mm-hmm. five hours on a tuesday they go back to their life it doesn't mean that they're not trained to be successful or that they don't quote unquote stay with your company for a long period of time but they work five hours a week you cover all the hours of your business with these folks that work a few hours a week and then you move on to the next set and then to the next set and then to the next set. But they're not going to give you 40 hours a week because that's not where we're going. I am very curious because I would love what I, I would love right now to be working less, right? Mm-hmm. I'd love to be working less and I really would love a third weekend day. I don't know why that mm-hmm. was not built in why did the ancestors and everyone who came before us not have that implemented maybe it was the nature of manufacturing slavery whatever all of the fuck industries came before us that Mm -hmm. that was not uh, amenable to what we needed to accomplish right but i would really love that Mm -hmm. but i'm very curious about how are we going to continue to build and sustain successful economies with what's happening and and this is really just like a question to think about and ponder because mm-hmm. we don't have the answer yet we're yeah. still in the cycle of figuring it out um but it's 
it speaks to the idea of like efficiency mm-hmm. in the sense that you now have to figure out how to be like extremely and maximally efficient and effective with far less time. Yes. How do you accomplish this? But this notion of time and efficiency is very American. Like when you think about how happy European workers are. Oh my God. Yes. They don't work endless hours, endless days, endless months. Like we were in Europe during the summertime and these people were off for a month and a half. (laughs) And they did not think a second of it. They They did not worry about the fact that their business was going to be closed for a month and a half. They just lived their best life in Greece, having a great time, right? And they were happy. But guess what? In many of these European countries, we know because we've had these conversations, there are so much more social programs that help people right you have way more of that Mm -hmm. which then it's like it makes sense like i came across this video some like months ago or wherever like maybe it was like two three months ago but she was talking about like moving to it it, i hate to like misquote it but it might have been like italy or spain or something and like oh you get a tax credit for you know being some sort of credit for I guess being married or like you got paid time off to take your honeymoon. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, wait, what? So like these people have a very different relationship with the concept of work. So let's now understanding that there might be certain structures within their um, societal systems that Mm -hmm. are baked into that, that Mm -hmm. allows for them to do that. Now let's bring it back to the U.S., who historically has always been obsessed with fucking working and people have been working themselves to a frazzle. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, people want to have better work-life balance, but then you guys do not want to. And by you guys, I mean them, the system, Mm -hmm. you guys don't want to give us the support socially, politically Mm -hmm. that we need to be able to free our time. Right. But people here are not into that. Like, but this is the dir- this is the disruption that you mentioned earlier, yeah. right? Like, yes, for generations before us, that has been what America is about. You work hard. You supposedly pull your yourself up from your own bootstraps, or you know, your white grandfather gave you a boost with your bootstraps <laughs> and gave you some money to right. buy some land, start a company, whatever. But yep. we call it pulling yourself up from your own bootstraps, mm-hmm. and. We understand that working hard is a basic tenet of being American. However, Uh because of this disruption that we're currently in, where people don't want to work those long hours, they don't want to give themselves and their entire lives over to a company. Mm -hmm. I think that this disruption will help to create some of the structures, the fundamental structures that it needs to survive, i.e. social programs i.e. better support for the communities so that they're able to have less working hours. But guess what? Remember, too, also, that it is also central to American beliefs that social programs has, like, a relatively, like, dirty, icky, like, oh, my gosh, like, we don't want to do that. I don't think that's that's central. You don't think so? No, I think... You don't think that the way that like and we're speaking very high level broad brushed mm-hmm. that Americans generally feel 
when we think about the, and let, let, let's make it even more specific mm-hmm. politicians, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we're not talking about Democrats. Yes. Like we're talking, cause obviously we are into, let us support people. Let us give people the tools that they need. When we think about folks who have more conservative ideas in their mind, it's like social programs are not my issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, l- like when we think about the idea of like socialism and communism, like it's like, um, these are, historically speaking countries that operate this way they have been our enemies my guy yeah i mean obviously i'm not going to argue that of course they have been they've been our enemies change but america is not mostly conservative i think that these conservative beliefs do profoundly affect our politics very much so. right like they you know we're probably somewhere in the middle most of the time but we're trending towards more progressive beliefs and as you get towards more progressive beliefs they tend to include more social pro- programs so they we want social security we want social programs that include food stamps um community involvement therapy etc we want all of those things to be made available to the public Mm -hmm. but on the flip side we also don't want to pay for it so we there you go we do speak out of both sides of our mouths and that is kind of where we end up at an impasse because we have a hard time trying to figure out which one we want but i don't think that america as a whole goes absolutely no social programs because we recognize that those things are important or in our spaces we recognize those things are important but who knows what the fuck is being said in other spaces i mean we're not going to middle america to find out what the fuck they're doing down there (laughs) but absolutely not in new york and in california we understand that social programs have to exist yeah i mean they like there's so much need for equity Mm-hmm. But like creating equity really involves, there is a lot of groundwork that needs to be done. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, I know that we say that we want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But then those elected to actually execute and action these things, it takes so long to get it done because you have like one people on one Saturday fence who are like, we need to do this. And then the other people are like, this has nothing to do with us. Um, yeah, I mean, the other people on the other side of the fence are like, I don't fucking want to pay for that shit. Like, you can have all the social programs that you want. I don't want to pay for it, right? Because we also very much believe in capitalism. And whenever we get into that a room and capitalism is a part of the conversation, it's always going to go against socialism. Like, that is how it has been. But I do think that there's a middle place, and that's where the progressives come in. Like, I think there is a middle place, because I struggle with this as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I am probably a conservative liberalist, if that (laughs) were a thing, because I do believe in being able to fight for a lot of these liberal views and liberal opinions, and I'm Mm -hmm. open to all of those things. But on the other end of it, do I want to be taxed to death? No. But then it speaks to being able to change our relationship with money then no yeah but uh, how do we do that when money you know for lack of a better term money makes the world go around it like, does you cannot survive without money so or you can but you would just be it would look very different you won't have you all of the without money luxuries and all of the conveniences how do you survive without money i don't fucking know dude but there are you people you cannot who survive, survive without money 
Listen, you can live. It will be a very different life. Maybe you'll be a life of poverty. Maybe you'll be a little destitute. A little destitute. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there is an option for that, right? But it looks very different. I don't know what or the option is. Or maybe you have less worldly possessions, right? Maybe less it's just worldly you and possessions some land. is very different from having no money. Okay, well, I didn't think you meant literally no money. I'm very literal. Oh, okay. So, so literally meant no, no money. Because no money means no money. No money. Got it. Yeah. Not you know, little money. Again, I, I saw that there. I inferred some flexibility with that. As you do, because you do the spectrum and the gray thing. No. It's no, no money. money. Okay. No money. Yeah. There is. There. What are the options? There are no options. That you would you have die. to fully rely on government assistance, which. Which is money. Is so we're money. talking all forms of money. Yeah, it's either are not available. All forms of money sure. are on the not same page, available. I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Which got it. Which means that you don't survive. Right. So if we understand that money makes the world go round, it's very challenging to decide that we need to change our relationship with money. We almost have to. T. Like literally, we are in a space. We have produced, there are more and more millionaires, right? Like we, mm-hmm. there are more and more Thank options for, for amassing wealth. Shout out to the millionaires. Great, Give but, me a call. <laughs> but also on the flip side, like, do you need to have one person or mm-hmm. a couple of people or a handful of people earning far more money than entire countries at a time? Do we need to? Probably not. But if these folks have earned millions and billions and gazillions of dollars, that there's nothing that... that the free we, market? I mean, we allow for them to be able to use their skills and expertise in order mm-hmm. to amass this amount mm-hmm. of wealth. Because there are other sects of our society that haven't done that doesn't mean that they're wrong for creating this and gap. And I don't huh? think that they're wrong, but I think that there is this need for a balance of like, okay, you have people who are like busting their ass, mm-hmm. right? And companies who are crewing more and more and more, and yet we're not pouring into other parts of our social systems that mm-hmm. we should be pouring into. And yeah. to, to let, let's make this a full circle. Like when we go back to this great resignation, I mean, we are seeing that people are burnt out from the structures that have existed mm-hmm. as they relate to work. For sure. But I think that's what the great resignation is about. I think it it's is us deciding that we are no longer open to being burnt out we no longer have time to be burnt out for these companies and the choice has always existed we are just now getting to the point where we're making the choice because i think when we think about like wealth inequality and the wealth gap in this country it's not so much about a ton of people that work really hard and a ton of people that don't no it is about a ton of people that work really hard that work hard but haven't figured out how to spread the wealth the wealth but in this country we're not open to communism right because what we would be talking about when we talk about spreading the wealth and equalizing the wealth like we would be talking about communism because that's what that is about and that is not what our society is based on so let me just state here for the minutes that i i'm not even advocating for that end of the spectrum but mm-hmm. i just think that we need some balance right like mm-hmm. 
and this, you know, there is a pay um, equity conversation in here. There's so many pieces of equity that's built into this conversation. Mm-hmm. But what I'm thinking about is if companies, like massive companies, could figure out how to, like, do you need to make, like, every year you have to make more than the year before? Yes. Do we always need to make 20, 25 times, whatever, I'm just making this number up. Mm-hmm. Do we always need to be able to make that to truly feel like we're being successful? Like, yes. But then it means that we're constantly chasing. Is it money? Is it greed? Is it options? Like, what are we chasing? We're chasing but when do success. we feel satisfied? We're chasing growth. Like, there's, a, there's some complacency in satisfaction, you know? Write that down. There is some, like, complacency, some complacency in satisfaction. In satisfaction. There's also comfort sometimes in satisfaction. And Glass there's complacency and comfort. So if we want to continue to challenge ourselves and continue to grow and continue to be better than we were yesterday, it means that we need to continue to goal ourselves and drive and be ambitious towards the things that we want in our lives and that is whether it's the life of a company or your own personal life your family's life etc and just because I have lofty goals for myself and and maybe the other person does not it doesn't make me better than and it doesn't make the person less than and when I think about companies that have huge goals for themselves around making more money than the last year like they're going to do all the things that they feel are necessary in order to make themselves more marketable more attractive etc to attract people who will then spend their money with them mm-hmm. and help them to meet these goals they're again not going into these homes and saying to these folks that make twenty thousand dollars a year hey come spend half your paycheck with me so that you can be more destitute and i can be more rich they're simply making themselves attractive and these folks are making a choice to spend half of their income with them in order to grow these companies Like, so no one gets to say that these companies don't get to have these lofty goals because they've made enough or that the individuals that work for these companies that also have probably similarly great and lofty financial goals for themselves that, okay, so they have enough, so they should be satisfied. No. How do we continue to grow our world and our economy? Like there are drivers in the economy and then there are folks that get to participate in another way. They get to be along for the ride. <sighs> I have okay many. Too. I have many, many thoughts. I have many, many thoughts. Many thoughts. Well, but I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop here. <laughs> I have a few too, but I, it's really like many because there were so many things that resonated to me. Yeah. With me just now, and I really did have to write that down. There is a complacency in satisfaction. So that yeah. was a gem. It was a gem. That was a gem, friend. Yeah, I'm glad you wrote it down. I know, because you would never remember after this I point. I would never remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This was a really great episode. I'm glad that we got to, like, dig in and, like, talk about the great designa- resignation. I'm sorry. And to all of you out there that is doing the thing, more power to you. And best of luck in wherever your journey is going to take you. For Thank sure. you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time, quote, unquote, on <laughs> Two Girls. And a few thoughts.